It's that time of year again, when your nice hosts, that's us, take a few weeks off from new episodes. But before we do, we pick a few of our favorites from the past year to heat up in the microwave and serve to you while we're on hiatus. I love leftovers, personally. In previous years, each of us pick a few episodes and explain why we pick them. But this year, I picked them all, when Stephen and Mark weren't paying attention. This week's nice replay is episode 211, Building Blocks of Design with Asamadorius, originally published April 8th, 2021. I actually don't know if I picked this one. <laughs> it was a good episode. I feel like this episode picks itself because it's, it's uh, we done we did a lot of really good interviews yeah, this past year. We did, and this is one of our best. Um, yeah, Osama, who has who's a you know a he's a big deal game designer mm-hmm. in AAA. Yeah. Um, he came to talk about working on games with his kids. Yeah, yeah. and oh gosh, it, it was so sweet. It was yeah. interesting to hear him talk about like his process, but also introducing that process to people who are too young to have a professional workflow. Yeah. <laughs> And how he accommodated them and what he learned from them. And also just a lot of really good stories about his adorable children. Yeah. And, and illustrations that they made, yeah. like box art for the games. Yeah. yeah. He also brought just this great conversational energy to yeah. the interview. And I, yeah, also the adorable pictures. Yep. Yeah, now I remember why I picked this one. Okay, well, let's introduce our guest. Whose, whose birthday was technically yesterday, but celebrations are ongoing. <laughs> Hi, Osama. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. I'm really happy to be other fellow nice uh, game devs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not just uh, a fellow nice game dev, but a fellow nice game uh, dev podcaster. Uh, That's true. In addition to being a, a game designer, you are uh, a newly minted um, podcaster on the Habibis. Tell us a little about that. That's right. We started a podcast with two of my friends, Rami Ismail and Fauzi Mesmar. Um, at the beginning of this year, we're, we just finished recording literally this morning, our 12th episode. So we made it this Yay. far. Uh, although th- that's the secret is that's actually not our 12th episode. That's our 12th aired episode. <laughs> uh, we had uh, um, three false starts. We had three uh, that we recorded beforehand uh, while we were trying to figure out how to. Podcasting is hard. I, I don't need to convince you. It's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds super easy. I mean, my recollection for how this started, because it's, it's actually blurry, even though it hasn't been that long ago, is that we would meet up and we'd play some video games together and talk and laugh. And we thought we were pretty funny and pretty entertaining. So one of us said, had the bright idea of saying, hey, why don't we record this? This sounds like a podcast already. We're like, yeah, sure. That sounds easy. <laughs> And the next week, Rami, who doesn't do anything halfway, just showed up with everything. He's like, I figured it out. I know exactly how to do the podcast. And I don't know how Fauzi felt, but I'm like, wait, we're seriously doing this? <laughs> All right, let's give it a shot. <laughs> so we we recorded a, um, a a pilot where we were like, hey, welcome to the first Habibis podcast. And then we listened to it after we're like, this is this is bad. This is really bad. Let's let's not air this one and so we're like okay the next one we're gonna record the next one and we did the next one and it was slightly better so like okay there's progress and then we did a third one um and that third one 
uh, was decent-ish, but we we thought we could do better. And by the time we recorded the fourth one, I think no one believed we were actually going to have a podcast. So we didn't even say welcome to the first <laughs> episode. We just like, all right, let's let, let's you know, just let's try this out. And it was actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> like you've been doing it for years. Yeah, exactly. We're yeah. like, <laughs> this is old news for us now. At that point, and that ended up being our first episode. So we never actually had a proper intro of welcome to the first episode. We just didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's that uh, that self awareness. I think is key to to your <laughs> podcast because I mean, uh, you know, uh, not to um, uh, to cast aspersions, but the story of like we were just hanging out and we thought we were funny is kind of everybody's story, but yeah. most but most podcasts are bad. <laughs> and so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I, I as a listener, the Habibis is a joy. It's Thank very you. very fun to listen to. I appreciate that. Uh, it's really entertaining. I, I recommend everyone listen to it. Thank you. Um, but yeah, that self-awareness is really important to like know that, um, you know, like not everything we make is going to be gold just because we're all <laughs> laughing and having a good time. Um, but, you know, as as game designers, uh, you know, you guys know that. So you had a lot. You had an advantage going in, I, I suspect. Um, the iterative process. It's ingrained deep in us. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're up to 12 now, but it'll, you'll hit 200 before you know it. That's what we just crossed. And it, it's like, <laughs> really, it's been that long. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> congratulations on your 200. How many years is that? Four years. Uh, four years. Yeah, yeah this wow. is 211. So veteran podcasters. Yes. Yeah, we've been doing this for a little while now, I think. <laughs> wow. right, we're still and baby I, podcasters. I haven't been there the entire time, but I have listened for that long. And I will say the jokes are still good. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mean to say they're as good as they ever were? <laughs> I'll stand by what I said, but there are many ways to interpret it. Yeah. Yes, Mark. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Well, the other key to a good podcast is to have a little good uh, goof around at the beginning, but then get right into it as soon as you possibly can. And that's now. (laughs) So, Osama, we asked you what you wanted to talk about on the show, and you were saying, like, hey, I've been making games with my kids. I want to talk about that. And that is really exciting because, one, adorable. And uh, (laughs) and two, I think it it uh, it it. you can use it sort of broadly to talk about like how games are made and how in the audience you make them for. Um, so maybe let's start by, um, you can tell us like how this started, like how, why did you bring your work home with you and, and, and make your kids participate? (laughs) Well, I mean, game dev, uh, is something I really enjoy big time. So I've always known, even before I had kids, I always had this fantasy of sitting down with them and making something with them, whether it's card games or board games or, or video games. Um, I, I, I know how to make games. I've been making them for years. I don't know how to make games with kids, or at least I didn't know how to make games with kids at that point. So I was on the lookout for how do I introduce that to 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 my kids, especially after they were born and they were a little bit young. I realized it's very it's like flipping a coin. You don't know um, how to introduce something to to children. They could completely reject it at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, and then it's really hard to reintroduce the same thing to them again. So how you bring a topic to them uh, is sometimes, they, like if you, if you present, like for example, your kid shows interest in music, you push them too hard. They don't want mm-hmm. to, to play music and musical instruments again. And you did yeah. that. That was mm-hmm. your, your, your fault, right? So how do I present this in a way to see if they genuinely want to participate in it or, or, or not without scaring them off? Mm-hmm. Because as fellow game devs, you know, making games is hard. It's fun, but it's really difficult. And one thing that people who don't make games don't realize is there are a lot of fun parts, but there's also a lot of not so fun parts that you have to get through, you know, uh, as well. 
um, you know, uh, and and even different people enjoy different parts of production. I know the people who absolutely love pre uh, pre production because they love uh, the the uh, possibility space of everything that's possible. Others, it makes them anxious. They just want to get to the middle part of the game where you know what you're making and you're pushing through. And others, they just want to make it to the end. Like them, they're doing it so they could check that box and say it's finished. And all are valid, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. how do you how do you do that? How do you um, bring all these steps in a, in a way to 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 children who are used who really want normally instant gratification? Their minds work a mile a minute. And they want that satisfaction right away. And um, it's a funny story because I got the idea from my mother-in-law of how I was going to tackle this. Hmm. It, it was unexpected. So one day, my mother-in-law um, took took my kids. Uh, at the time, I had three. I had uh, three children. Uh, my I still have three children. So at the time, <laughs> I mean, my youngest was born. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my son was five, my uh, middle daughter was three, and my youngest daughter was newborn. So she was, we weren't going to make games with her. Um, and my mother-in-law invited them over to her house to make pizza and cupcakes. And uh, she had a whole day planned, and they were going to have a blast. And they were so excited about making pizza and cupcakes. I mean, up until that, uh, that point, they've never made prepared food. You know, maybe they they put some peanut butter on a piece of toast. <laughs> <That's about laughs> right, right, yeah. They, they hadn't done anything more elaborate than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they came back from from my mother in law's house, they were proud to show me these sloppily made you know pizza with like all the different toppings that they the, the toppings that they put on it, and uh, all the things they sprinkled on these cupcakes that they made. They were so proud, and they did like obviously. They're not the ones who put them in the oven. They're not the ones who did the prep work. They just kind of decorated the thing. Either in the case of the pizza before it went in the oven, in the case of the cupcake after it came out. But to them, the way they were presenting it, they they, they held it proudly and they said, I made this. Mm -hmm. And that sparked the first idea. I said, okay, this is how I'm going to introduce them to game dev. I was going to prepare the pizza, the cupcake, and they were going to decorate it. So I was going to do the legwork of designing the game. And they're going to help me with the content. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it worked. That I, I like that approach a lot. That that makes a lot of sense because it's a nice like stepping stone into it. You, you yeah, and I, I think like the way you even described cooking, like I think that kind of mirrors how like I learned how to cook with my mom, especially mm-hmm. since like you know I wasn't allowed to mess with the oven. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. I was seven or something. So mm-hmm. Of course, making the right decision. But like, yeah, but then I got to like, like dip the, 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 I don't know, the, the, um, the pretzels and chocolate or whatever. And it made me feel like I was a participant and I learned how to cook from that. Um, so I think that's a, a, a brilliant approach with your, with your children. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, I actually thought I was going to solve two problems with, uh, what's the expression? I don't like the expression hit two birds with one stone. Why would you want to hit birds? But you, you get the idea. <laughs> yeah. I thought I could solve two problems with one solution. Mm-hmm. So um, another problem that we had is we had a hard time finding uh, board games or card games that I could play with my kids. Uh, one was five, the other was three. And any game that was simple enough for my three-year-old to understand was too simple for my five-year-old to be interested in. Mm-hmm. So how do I um, make, like, we're going to make a game anyway. So how do I design a game that could keep them both entertained, uh, not just during the uh the, the crafting of the game, but afterwards when we want to play it together. Yeah. And that actually worked out. 
I started by analyzing the situation, uh, by figuring out what it is that I wanted to make and why. Uh, age restrictions, all those things. Um, and because this was the first game, I wanted to have all the rules figured out. I didn't want to say, hey, we're going to make a game. Now uh, that I got your attention and your excitement levels up, I'm going to disappear into a corner for a couple hours while I figure out the rules and then have your (laughs) (laughs) excitement die down. So I'm like, no, I'm going to actually design the complete game uh, in my head, uh, make it simple enough so it doesn't have to be playtested too much, just make sure I could play a couple of rounds in my head to see if it works uh, and check all these other boxes. Um, so I wanted to be completely prepared. No false starts. My two kids, cause my, my third kid wasn't part of this. She was way too young. Um, were aged three and five. So one can barely read the five-year-old can make out a few very simple words and the three-year-old couldn't read at all. So I had to make a, a, a game that didn't rely on text whatsoever. The oldest, as I mentioned, gets bored easily by anything that my youngest, uh, enjoys and the youngest gets confused easily by anything that my eldest enjoys. So I needed something that was simple enough instruction wise so that she could participate in, but had enough optional strategy that he could think about it a little bit before he makes a decision. So he doesn't get too bored. Um, no, so, and I wanted some meaningful decisions as well. Like I didn't want to, to make a game like uh, stakes and ladders where all you do is roll a die and you move. Again, those games have their place because they do teach children how to take turns and how to follow rules. Um, But once they figure out those things, then they become boring. Um, And the last uh, rule I wanted is for them to be playable between three and four players so that once we finish, we can play. And then my wife can join us if she wants to join afterwards. Again, my youngest was too young at that (laughs) point. When she was old enough to participate, then we upped that to four to five players. so the first game we designed, I'm going to try to explain it orally because it's really hard without visual aids. But <laughs> ah, yeah, <laughs> we'll um, we'll maybe try to have some uh, pictures of the the game on our on our show notes so people can follow along too as they're listening. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the first game was this very simple card game. So it in- included uh, a deck of cards where each card had three stats: mind, magic, and meat, and everyone had a numerical value. Um, they were exactly 36 cards. So every combination of uh, stats was was there without any duplicates, without anything being uh, doubled up. So I'll give you an example. The alien had six mind, zero magic, and one meat. And that was the stat of the alien. And we had other cards that had different stats where they always added up to seven. So six plus zero plus one is seven. Uh, but sometimes you'd have three and three and one, and every combination existed. Then you had another smaller deck where it told you for that round which of these stats was more important. Um, so it's, it was either meat is first, then magic, then mind, or mind is first, then meat, then magic, etc. Um, and you had another one that told you how many cards you could have in your hand, and another one that told you which order it would go into, left to right or right to left. And the game was simple. You had cards in your hand equal to the number of cards you're allowed to have based on that small deck. Um, if you, and everyone plays one card face down, you flip it over and whoever has the highest uh, numerical value for whatever is supposed to be most important. So whoever has the highest mind, for example, wins, they collect the cards and then they have to play a card first and you go in that order again. So it's kind of like 
War. Remember that old like traditional card mm-hmm. game that you play? Yeah. With a t- with a twist, uh, and the twist is it has more more numbers to compare. Uh, when you win a round, you get to flip over one of the other decks. So you could change your role from now you have four cards in your hand to now you have to have two cards in your hand. Or you change the order from going left to going right. Or you change the order of what's more valuable in stats. Um, so this is the interesting part. For my daughter, she had one instruction. You have cards in your hand. You have to choose one and play it. And that's it. That's all she had to know. That's all she had to remember. Mm-hmm. You have a card in your hand, you play it. One card. So she wouldn't even look at her hand half the time. She'd just <laughs> throw a card down and she has a huge smile on her face. And then when yeah. we flip it over, she'd look at our reaction to see if she won or she didn't. For my son, initially, he would play whatever had the highest value of whatever. He understood that I want the highest meat. So he'd play whatever mm-hmm. has the highest meat. And then later he realized that sometimes it's better to hold, if he doesn't think he could win, like if the other person played a meat of six and he has a meat of five, Maybe he should play a meet of zero or a meet of one and save that five for the next round mm-hmm. so he has a better chance. I saw that that change, that transition, that strategy happen after a while, after losing his best card. He's like, oh, I should have kept that five. I would have won this round. You played a three. I saw that change happen like live, and I was super, super happy. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, and it, like, so it was, it was just perfect like it worked out perfectly it might not have been because game you know game design you you intend a thing and then the dynamics are different Mm -hmm. Uh, in this case i got lucky so this is i skipped ahead the content part so when i designed the rules of this game i skipped ahead to explain what the rules were Uh, when i designed the rules for this game what i needed was 36 creatures i needed 36 pictures right because there were 36 (laughs) unique individual cards So the instructions to my kids, their part of this was, I need 36 pictures, go draw. We're making a card game. What could it be about? Anything you want. So they drew an alien. They drew a a princess. They drew like a police officer. Didn't matter. Everything they drew made it into the deck. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually would take their picture, uh, scan it, put it. I already had the Photoshop template done with all the stats and everything. Uh, drop their picture in, print out the nine cards at a time, Help ask them to help me cut them up, put them in sleeved magic cards, you know, where the magic card <laughs> would be in the back just to be. And every few pictures they had, we had cards. And it didn't take long before we had the 36 cards that we needed. There was something else I did. I went to a website called The Game Crafter, and this they didn't know about because I, I, I wanted it to be a surprise. And I took those cards and I printed out, quote unquote, a real deck. Yeah. Like, it felt like a card game that you would buy in the store. Like it had that that it, production quality, right? So we had the sleeved version that we played with for a while and it was fun. And uh, my wife jumped in and she tried it. And the, the, whenever the cousins came over, they'd play with it. They actually called it, because my, my kids' names are Ali and Mimi, they called it Ali and Mimi's Card Game. And I'm like, no, pick a different name. And they're like, because they, they, they were like, we're going to make a game. And I think that's the only game we're ever going to make. So this game is our game. And that's the name oh. of the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the first one we've made. So just they didn't project like into the future that this could be a fun activity we could do many times to them. It's yeah. like, we're, we're making our game. We're checking that box. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I secretly wanted them to name it Mind, Magic, and Meat because I thought it was hilarious. I liked the alliteration, but mm-hmm. they, they, they didn't go for it. So the bo- <laughs> back of the box said Ali and Mimi's card game, even though we've made dozens of card games since. Uh, <laughs> that's the only one I got. You got to let them have their way sometimes, even when it's not the right yeah. choice, right? 
it's it's their game, right? I'm, yeah. I'm not going to name it for them. <laughs> what what I love about all of what the the strategies you're describing for design and how to get uh, uh, your kids of different ages to participate in play and engage with strategy, but not lock it away from the younger child and all of those things. All that really just sounds like a microcosm of like designing games for other people, like for anything. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. we, you know, when you we, games for everyone, one of the things we learn when we play test is that, you know, players never read instructions. And so you have to, <laughs> you have to make sure that it's intuitive to players who do read the instructions and it's not burdensome upon them, but also it's, it, it can be picked up by the people who just mash a to get through all of that. And it's just, that's just a, that's a version of this. And so <laughs> seeing that so stark <laughs> and so, and getting much more immediate feedback onto like onto the strategies that you use to address that. That must be satisfying for you, not just as a father with your kids, but as a game designer professionally, right? Oh, absolutely. I was smiling from ear to ear for many different reasons for days after this. Uh, and uh, actually, there was a meetup. Uh, there's video of this. I could even share the YouTube link. Uh, there, there was an indie meetup where people would come and show their games. And I brought my two kids on stage and they presented their games to a whole bunch of indie devs, like a crowd of about 100, 120 indie devs. And um, they were talking about the cards. They were going card by card and reading out the name of the card because that's the part that uh, was important to them. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. that's the part they they had a uh, input on. So they had their yeah. pirate and their astronaut and their superhero, and they're showing all those. Um, there were actually a very that the process of asking them to come up with with the the different creatures was um, educational for me actually hmm. uh, because I saw what's like okay. Uh, I'll give you an idea. So after like the first 10 or 15 um, creatures that they drew that I completely expected, like the, the we had the unicorn, the princess, the fairy, the uh, the mermaid, the uh, dragon, like those things I knew that they were, they were going to come up. That's part of their regular discourse when they talk about creatures. So I knew that, that, that we're going to get those. After a while, they... Their impatience um, got ahead of them. They're like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to think anymore. Just tell me what to draw, like that. I'm like, no, this is about you. They're like, no, no, just, just give us something. I, I'm. They just they wanted to hurry up and finish the game to play it. Mm-hmm. And I know that's part of uh, that's part of who they are. Uh, if I had just told them draw 36 pictures, they would have went and drew 36 pictures. But because it was going to become a card game, they wanted to speed up that process and get to the card game. Mm-hmm. So I gave them a couple of ideas. I'm like, okay, go draw a goblin. And my son went, said, okay, and went and he drew the green goblin. And I realized that's the only goblin he's familiar with. <laughs> and similarly, uh, my daughter drew Shrek. <laughs> and I told him to draw an ogre. <laughs> Trying to explain this, IP this law to your children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the most interesting one of those is when I asked him to draw a troll. Uh, has have any of you played uh, Castle Crashers? Yeah, yeah. I've okay, you know the troll in Castle Crashers. It's like a little black furball with yes. o- white eyes. Yeah, yeah. That's what they drew, and oh, I'm like, really? wow. yes. And that 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 was their frame of reference for uh, for a troll, and I didn't cool. see that coming. Yeah, yeah that's so <laughs> that's fascinating. Yeah, that's it's, so cool. It's so well, specific. They're so young; they haven't built up, you know, this wealth of cultural capital and knowledge that an adult will it would have. So you can have this kind of like platonic idea of what a troll might be, and then a bunch of different examples you can pull from for inspiration. Mm-hmm. They have one example one. of ogre. Yeah, one exactly. example of troll. So did you have to continually give them more prompts or did you help coach them through that thinking and, and teach them a way of 
coming up with more source material? Excellent question. Because uh, I give them like, I think one or two more prompts. One of the, my favorite was, uh, I asked them to draw Cthulhu, and they had no idea what that was. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so I, I, I went online and I showed them pictures, and, the, and what they drew looked more like Zoidberg from Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. <laughs> but it, it still counts. Uh, and after a while, I'm like, you know what? Like, you have enough. You have only a few cards left. I want you to just invent something. And this is those are my favorite cards. So my uh, daughter drew a giraffe or pillar. <laughs> and it was a giraffe's neck with a giraffe's head, but legs. It looked oh. like a cross between a, a, a caterpillar. And my son drew a pizza monster. It's basically a pizza with a face. <laughs> <laughs> These are simultaneously adorable and horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, you showed them an eldritch horror and then told them to come up with new horrors, and they did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it. But like that was a learning process where I realized it's like the, the I didn't understand because it never happened to me before. They're like, tell us what to draw. They were creative on their own. And I, I realized it was only because of their impatience. You know, they really mm -hmm. wanted to get to the mm -hmm. card game part. Uh, so it was another learning moment. And there were many like we, we, we made uh, we continued to make board games and card games and video games. After that, I have a bunch of stories I could share and go into. Uh, but this one was the most educational, the first one. Mm -hmm. And uh, I still have it. I still have the card game. We bring it out once in a while and laugh. We haven't played it for a little bit of time. I think they outgrew uh, the simplicity of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, they were so proud of it. Every time their cousins come over, they'd be like, do you want to see, you see our, the game we made? Yeah, well, it's, it's that, that sense of ownership is important. So after they outgrow the game and after they become maybe better artists and, 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 and more familiar with more trolls, um, <laughs> it still gets to be this thing, and you know, when they're you know college age, they're still gonna they're they're gonna want they're gonna say, "Dad, where's that game? I want to show it to my friends." Yep, like, yep, it's, exactly. They're gonna have that all their life, or or their kids. Yeah, exactly. My eldest is thirteen now, so this mm. was we're talking about eight years ago that we started uh, making games together, um, and now they make games on their own. Like just yesterday, they were they were making games in Scratch. Um, yeah. Uh, well. Well, my my ten year old was making a game where a shark was chasing a swimmer, and it was it was a game like you had to run away or you, you or you died. Uh, and my seven year old was making a story, so it wasn't exactly a game. She would flip from one screen to the next and yeah. read out the story, but she used Scratch, like that was the, yeah. the, the editor that she used, because you know the, it's. I think it's going to transition into her making games on her own very soon. She's already getting very familiar with the tools. Yeah, it yeah. kind of is. It seems a little bit next level. I mean, making games is hard, even for adults. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that makes it really difficult is the dynamics that emerge from the interplay between rules. And when you're seven, that's that's a tough thing. <laughs> it is. It is. So one step at a time. She's jumping into the narrative of games first, which is totally okay. And yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, yep. So after we actually after this game, we made a few other card games that were. Uh, similar, but I was experimenting and trying different things just to sh uh, shake it up. Because uh, uh, like, even though I really like that game, it's my favorite that we've made with my kids because it was the first and it was such fond memories. Um, the multiple decks was a little clunky. It was uh, hard. Like It took more than 30 seconds to explain to mm -hmm. someone how to play. And I really wanted to, like, let's make a game in 10 seconds. Like I want to be able to explain it to you in 10 seconds. Like, pick up this, play that, you're done. Uh, mm -hmm. So we made a few others that were not too different. They just simplified uh, the rule set to to only be one deck. Uh, and after we we moved on to board games, um, 
And their first attempt at making a board game, I forgot all the lessons, all the rules that I put <laughs> into place. I was so excited from the success of making card games and I had that down to a science uh, that I made a big mistake. Uh, instead of doing what I usually w- w- had done before, which is figure out the rules, I just called them and I'm like, okay, let's start making a board game. What do you want to make a board game about? And my daughter said princesses and my son said police. And then I'm like, okay, while well, I'm like, okay, what can I do with that? They ran off and started drawing pictures of princesses and police because to them, oh. that was the craft of game making. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. I go draw pictures and game happens. <laughs> And I, and and what's interesting, some of the pictures were princess polices. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, it didn't work out because I, by the time they were coming back with the pictures, I was flustered. I'm like, oh, but I didn't figure out the, what am I gonna like? I, did, I didn't have a plan, mm-hmm. and I realized I made exactly the mistake I made when I when I the, the one I was trying to prevent when I got into this, which is don't get their hopes up and make them lose interest. Because by the time I was still trying to figure out the rules and they were throwing these papers at me, they're like, oh, this isn't happening now. And they just kind of like walked away and that board game fizzled. It never got made. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, embarrassingly, I drew the wrong conclusion from it. Um, it's only a- uh, upon reflection later that I realized what what's the mistake that I did. I thought the mistake was don't make them uh, come up with two different themes without context because themes are hard to, to mix. But that's wrong. I could have, if you given enough time, um, I could have made a game that included princesses and, and police and worked really well. I know, I know, I could. But in that moment where they're just throwing these papers at you, I was flustered and I, I couldn't do my best work. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I said, okay, you know what? We'll do something else now. We'll make two separate board games. We'll jump into the board games, but we won't try to mix themes. Um, instead, we're gonna make. Two individual board games. We'll sit down at the same table, uh, and we'll make something simple. I figured out the rules, the same as before. It was going to be a very simple game, kind of like Snakes and Ladders, except you fall there. There's a concept of card game because they were used to making card games at this point. So you fall on tiles that allow you to either draw a card or use a card in your hand, and the cards will do something very basic, like move your token a, a couple of uh, spaces forward or move someone else's token back. So it's a competitive type board game. I gave them the same instructions. So exactly the same rules, but they had to create two different boards. Like, and they had a hundred percent authorship, like on what are the tiles, what is the theme of the board, um, and they're going to cut out their own construction paper and make the tiles. Like, they're going to make it themselves. I was just responsible for the rules. Um, it worked for my son because he uh, and, I, and they get to name their own game, and they, I bought them these uh, sticky uh, letters that they get to place on the board games with the name. So mm-hmm. they're really excited about naming their games, right? <laughs> um, so my son named his, he chose the theme of a city. So like it's like Snakes and Ladders, but there are roads and the, the tiles you fall on are buildings and you're just going from building to building till you make it to the last building. Mm-hmm. That was his theme that he chose. He was really into geographies and cities. And he called it City Game I Love This because those are all words he knew how to spell. <laughs> 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 and he wrote that on the board and all of his uh, cards were themed around things that happen in the city, like a fire hydrant breaks, a police officer arrests you and sends you back, like things like that. Uh, but it was all pictures and then like an arrow that pointed backwards or forward and told you how many spaces you want. And that's it. You can either draw a card or impact the game with a card. Um, my daughter 
took a whole bunch of random numbers and letters and just put them on the board and said, that's the name of my game. <laughs> because she didn't want to ask us like how to spell it. She like My son didn't. He just went ahead and did it himself. So she wanted to do the same. But I was a little like, I'm happy because she was really proud of the board game. I have a picture of her holding it up with a huge smile. Um, but she made it also a city game because her, like her older brother was next to her. And mm-hmm. just the fact that she was sitting next to him, I didn't realize that she's just going to look over at what he was doing and copy. And that's not what mm-hmm. I wanted, but I wasn't going to be mad at her for doing that. She's like three years old. She's like right. probably yeah. overwhelmed with the concept of what do I do? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So she's deciding where to so take her cues up- from. You know, yes. like to, to, to complete the task, not knowing that that she's um, sort of giving up the, the, the reward that you're hoping that she'll get out of it. Yes, exactly. And it's not her fault. That's my that's my failing. Right. I'm the one who's uh, who didn't set it up to set her up for success in that situation. So I decided I was going to do better for the next board game. Those those two board games, I still consider them a big success. The kids loved them, even though they played pretty much identical. They had. Uh, Slightly different flavor between them. And uh, so for the next step, we're like, we're going to make board games, but this time I'm going to do it a little bit differently. I'm going to break my own rule as well. So we're going to start brainstorming the theme. And then I'm going to come up with the rules. And then we're going to make the board game. Let's see if this works out. So what I decided to do is ask them to come up with a theme right before bedtime. (laughs) So that way they don't run off and start drawing or start like, preparing then it's like tomorrow we're going to make a board game what board game do you want to make what theme do you want to make then while they were asleep i designed very simple board games two separate ones with the themes that they came up with and the next day i'm like this is what i need from you go go do like go draw this art these are the games we're going to make with the themes that you chose when they woke up they had kind of forgotten about it which is you know normal they're kids so you know woke up it was a week weekend had breakfast after a while when I was ready to get started. Um, I brought them back and my daughter, my daughter chose restaurant. That was a theme. She wanted to, to have a restaurant game. And my son chose firefighter, which really was the same city game he had before, except (laughs) (laughs) like you're a fire truck now moving from place to place, which is fine. He was really into cities, right? Mm -hmm. That that was his thing at the time. He loved looking at maps since he was three years old. His favorite game was burnout paradise. He just like drive through the city over and over. And and he was actually really, I have video of him playing it when he was three and he's shockingly good at it. Like he's way better than I would expect a three-year-old to be because uh, he really loved cities and exploring cities. Like his, his favorite uh, app when he was a little bit older was uh, Google World, you know the, the w- oh that? yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like Google Maps, but like in globe format. So he loves that. That's his thing. Almost every time he picks a theme, it's, he has like two go-to topics: uh, the cities or or maps are one of them. So we had a firefighter game, we had a restaurant game. So for the restaurant game, I came up with a simple design where people come in and um, you draw two cards, and then you have to match them with cards in your hand. Uh, and they're all food items. So they want this and this, and then you mesh them with that and that. And if you don't have them, then you keep, like, it's basically your servers and you're competing to see who's going to get the order. So it's like you you discard cards, you draw new ones, right? It's very, very simple. And then whoever serves the most, um, you know, happy customers wins. That was supposed to be the game. Uh, for the firefighter game, uh, we actually have uh, an elaborate or a second prototype of that because my son really loved the game and he brought it back when he was much older by himself. He drew out the map and he like took it. So um, you you have little fire trucks, which we didn't, we ran out of fire trucks. So we had other cars that we just pretended were fire trucks. 
And there are houses you that all have numbers. You roll a die, and uh, so you, you flip a deck of cards, and um, a house catches fire. And that's represented by a red die on the house that goes from six to five to four to three to two to one, and then the house burns. So you have to try to make it there in time to remove the die and save the house. And if you save more houses than houses burn down, and now that I think about it, it's a little dark for a five-year-old. But still, they work. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're a firefighter, Gabe. Like, yeah, how, what else are yeah, you going to do? do? Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you if you collect a certain number of, of, of red dye, like that, uh, before um, a certain number of, of uh, houses burn down, then you win. And it was a cooperative game that could be played by, it scales automatically by no, any number of players because you have more fire trucks, but you also, with every, between every turn, a new house catches fire. So it just scales, right? Yeah. Uh, it, is, it does get easier with the most number of players because then you, cover, you need to cover less space. Uh, so mm-hmm. it didn't p- perfectly scale, but it scaled well enough that, you know, at around three, four, or five players, it, it wasn't that much of a difference in, in gap. He, he absolutely loved that game. My daughter loved playing it with him. My daughter rejected the, the rules of the restaurant game. She did not, she's like, I don't have those cards. I'm going to go through the deck, find the right ones and give them to the, I'm like, no, like you can't do that. You have to just draw, like discard a card and draw that many. She's like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm like, okay, it's your game. <laughs> and that was my mistake. I should have kind of enforced the rules because what ended up happening uh, was my son was like, you're cheating. I don't want to play this. Mm-hmm. he's like no like he, he was like, i want to play with the rules and she was like these rules are not fun for me i want to just accomplish the task i don't care about like these rules yeah uh, and that meant we were basically me and her playing it alone and, and but whenever we play the firefighter game she would jump into that game so i saw it not as a a complete success like i it wasn't she, i could see that no like she really wanted to to, to play that with with my son as well mm-hmm. and i can't force him he's not enjoying it i can't i'm gonna be like no no come here you have to play this I, I made him do like one round uh and then i'm like okay after that it's fine so i'm like you know what lesson learned you know i'm really excited about this next part uh-huh not just because I love the music that happens during this section of the show. Um, <laughs> Which is true. You do love but that. But also because I have something really, really cool to share with the listeners. And it's about the feedback for me, you guys. Ooh. <gasps> Exciting. And the news is, literally just five minutes ago, we decided we're going to update it. And we're going to make some changes to it. So you guys can give us more ideas about what you want to listen to. Like, you know, do you want us to do a deep dive on something? Do you want us to have a specific guest on? Do you want to be on the show? I mean, all kinds of stuff. And we're not exactly sure what the questions will be or how they will exactly be phrased, but they're (laughs) going to be new. They're going to be important. They're going to be useful. And you're going to want to check it out. The thing that will not be new is the URL, which is nicegames.club slash feedback. By the time this episode is out, we will have made the updates and you can go over there and check it out and and note your stuff, your ideas, your suggestions, and, um, you know, Anything else you'd like to write in there? Yeah. You can also just leave us general feedback on the show, as always. And you can also say nice things to make us feel good, like uh, we've been getting uh, uh, recently and we've been really enjoying. So we want to encourage a little bit more of that because we all need a little bit of help getting through the day. And this is one way to help us. <laughs> True. Right, Stephen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody had said that they had also started working on games through Dark Basic, which was really <laughs> nice to see. 
<laughs> it wasn't just me and my brother. <laughs> you felt so. you, you felt less alone in the world. There's at least three of you. At least three. <laughs> and that's a service you can provide to us, uh, if you're so inclined. Yeah. <laughs> at nicegames.club slash feedback. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I could go on and talk about other games that we made. We made tons. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm kind um, of just sitting like waiting for the next chapter in this saga because it's so fascinating. It's not, it really is. It's so cool. Yeah. And like I, like I, 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 I want that to happen for my kids when I have them. You know? like, I would love to be able to tell them this is what I do as a as a as a job, and this is how you can be a part of that. Like I think that's. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> it's, a really, it's a really great thing to be able to do. And not, you know, not every job lends itself to that. Um, and not necessarily that it lends itself easily. I, one of the things I love about this story is that it's also an instructional design story. And that's yeah. my day job. <laughs> um, yeah, you you analyze your audience and you figured out what your learning outcomes wanted, what you wanted them to learn and what you wanted the performance outcome to be for them. You wanted you know, these criteria, you wanted them to experience part of the game design process and you wanted them to feel like they had good ownership over it, over that piece and that, you know, they genuinely put input in there and that everyone could play it together. And then you crafted this procedure that would enable them to have that learning experience. Uh, and that's exactly what instructional designers do, right? You start with the you start with the audience analysis and what you want people to do, and then you design an experience that that happens um, that that allows that to unfold. Um, it's just so meta because it's like game based learning about game design. So <laughs> yes. it's I'm totally geeking out right now. Um, <laughs> I'm so I'm, glad. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I was just thinking. Um, my my nephews are are four and five right now. Um, so they're about about that age. And there's similar dynamics at play. There are similar <laughs> things that they're learning right now. Um, you know, one of them is definitely more competitive than the other and gets very upset when he's not winning yeah. or when other people aren't exactly following the rules. Yeah. So that's the thing that we're working on right now. Um, but that's absolutely something that I'm, I want to try with them. And I'm wondering, have you thought about like putting this together as a kit that families can do? Like, You know, someone asked me about that a long time ago, and I thought it was a great idea, and I intended to do it, and I've forgotten about it for years. So <laughs> that's I'm, the honest truth is I think it could fit. I could just, 
you know, give um, a kit. Uh, these are the rules. This, this is the template in Photoshop. This is, uh, or what other free app, because not everybody has Photoshop that you could use. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like scan it if you have a scanner, put it here, or like let them draw it in Paint and drop it there. I could I could do that. It's just it's a little time consuming. Um, I think that's why I didn't do it in the moment because mm-hmm. I juggle as yeah. as I'm sure you all do. I juggle a lot of things, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I swear, like I I had that intention of yeah. creating that kit. Um, you should do it. <laughs> I mean, I think Ellen has a, has identified a market need, um, and, yeah. and and you had as well. Um, but you didn't you didn't do it to make to to do put no. together a side hustle. This uses a thing you did to bond with your kids. Um, Absolutely. And um, I mean, there's no reason you can't have both. Um. No, <laughs> especially now that they're kind of older. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. it's really yeah, interesting. Make them do it. Like um, <laughs> that's not what yeah, I was exactly. going at, but that makes sense too. <laughs> now it's time for you to learn how to make a business. Here you go. <laughs> that's perfect. I love it. It's a can't fail idea. <laughs> you know? uh, my nephews are a little bit older than Ellen's, and I I use them as playtesters um, for my games um, uh, to to bond with them and to also you know get some proper playtest feedback. So I'm a little selfish about it. But um, what the the oldest of them has started asking me like, hey, can I can I make games too? And I'm like, absolutely, let's set that up. And of course, I haven't seen them in a year because of pandemic. But like, yeah. so we're both itching to like be able to do that together. And and I and I've been kind of struggling. Like, what am I? Scratch is a great. Like, I had that. Like, that's really good. Yeah. Um, I I did teach game design using that, and that was half successful. And yeah. and uh, um, but I think um, I think he I think he'll be able to 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 catch on to that. But the thing that I hearing from you that I think worries me a little bit is you got them started so early, um, and. And I'm like, oh, of course, card games, like board games. That, that's how you teach game design, yeah. right? Is is because yeah. you get quicker results. You don't have to deal with the technical challenges. Like, there's just a lot, is you know, that 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 makes it easier to understand those fundamentals and to be more rewarded from them. But my nephew is doesn't is not going to want to make a board game. He wants to make a video mm-hmm. game. He's seen my video yeah. games. Like, th- yeah. that's not going to satisfy him. And I'm like, oh man, and or, or it may, it, it may, but I'm going to have to work at that. Right. So I'm uh, so I, I think anyone else thinking like, oh, I would totally love to get the, the young children in my life um, engaged in game design. I guess the thing I'm thinking in my head is like start them as early as possible. Yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely true. I think there there's a, I mean, there's still things you could do for for older kids. Yeah, um, I'd have to give it a little bit more thought to see how, because uh, I do teach in, in at Dawson College. I'm a game design professor. And I have uh, students as young as uh, 18 years old. I don't get mm-hmm. any students younger than that. Uh, most of my st- students are actually older. The students who, who decided they want to be game designers a little bit later on, but I do have 18-year-olds as well. Um, and a lot of the, the concepts are still there. Like You want them to learn in a controlled environment how to like what a few things change because it's overwhelming otherwise. So like mm-hmm. we, we would start them off by saying, make Pong, just replicate it. Just like mm-hmm. see this very simple movement. And assignment two is now make Pong indifferent. Like come up with a rule change and see what rep, like whatever it could be anything, but do a thing that's a little bit different. We'll walk you through the steps of technically how to get it done. Uh, but that way they'll understand how one small decision can have a huge ripple effect everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, for the first time I made a video game with my kids, I used Game Maker. 
because I was, again, I was following the same philosophy where I was making the game and they were making the content, except uh, in this case, I let them have a little bit of, of um, agency in how... Uh, it'll help if I explain what the game was. The game was a single screen. Uh, I saw it as a cooperative uh, combat game where I would spawn enemies and they w- I would have them dispatch the enemies. And they would get to choose what their characters are, what the enemies are. They would get to draw them. I would animate them poorly because I don't have the time to animate them well. <laughs> um, so I, w- I would take their, their pictures, scan them, and then just like move the legs around. Like I wouldn't actually redraw the frames and I wouldn't ask them to do that. Mm-hmm. Just move the legs around a bit or arms around a bit to create an idle pose or what kind of looks like a walking pose. Uh, taking shortcuts because you know game dev takes a lot of time especially animation and i didn't have time for that um and uh try to find as many shortcuts as possible like we have a dragon in that in that game uh is my son um sorry my, my my son his other theme that he really likes was robot so when i asked him um what character he wanted he wanted a robot uh, as his main character, and I asked him what uh, uh, what are the enemies, and he said also robots. So we drew the same <laughs> sprite and just changed the color, and we're like, okay, you're done. And for my daughter, I asked her, what do you want your character to be, and she said a little girl. I'm like, okay, that works. And what because what does the little girl do? She's like she throws flowers at people, and the flowers put them to sleep. I'm like, oh, I could work with that. That's, That's perfect. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I went to my son. I'm like, what does your robot do? Oh, he shoots lasers and vaporizes everyone. (laughs) All right. That's that's kind of (laughs) typical. Okay. (laughs) And I asked my daughter what what she wanted as the enemy uh, to be. Because, like, there would be two enemy types, one from each, and and two playable characters. Mm -hmm. And she chose a dragon. Uh, which kind of like uh, also typical. She was uh, kind of obsessed with dra- dragons at the time, and the dragon didn't have to be animated because I just like she drew it with its wings open. And I just like kind of moved it around the screen. And I'm like, hey, great! It didn't, <laughs> it's not it's not more work for me. So there were a few shortcuts here and there. So this is the interesting part. Um, I made the enemies react to their the verbs differently. So whenever my daughter would would throw like daughter's character would throw flowers, I would just make the enemies go to the ground uh, sideways. And whenever my son would use the laser, they would disappear. And I would keep score of who did what. And my co- my intention to make a cooperative single-screen combat game ended up being um, a competitive game where my daughter was <laughs> rushing to put enemies to sleep before my son could kill them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yes. I, that totally was not intended by like i don't even think it was intended by them it just sort of happened where they were instead of saying yay i got one yay i got one uh she was saying oh uh, he was saying no you put him to sleep before i could like zap him <laughs> and uh and I, I gave them a little bit of of um of, of agency there because i asked them wh- how they wanted their characters to be different my son said he wanted his character to jump really high and my daughter said uh, that she wanted to run faster because he kept like he kept like I, I tweaked it because it was a little unfair um, <laughs> because he's he's older and you know so I tweaked it so that her speed gave her an advantage just to even it out a little bit because yeah. um, you know it, the, the key he, he's older it's not fair to her <laughs> it's just competing I didn't intend it to be a competitive game at all right so right. when it became one I had to so I actually gave them a little bit of game design in the in uh, in the process. But really, the, all of it, the scripting, the coding was me. Um, however, eventually, they're like, we want to make this. 
Mm-hmm. That that's always like we want to be the ones who make it. That came naturally. It, it wasn't me saying, "Okay, it's your turn now." I never went that route. It was more I just kept giving them a little bit more agency into the decision making. Uh, mm-hmm. Whenever they're like, "But I want him to do backflips and do this," I'm like, "Yeah, you have to draw five images, and Daddy has to take five hours to animate this. That's not going to happen." So I give them a little bit of uh, uh, like behind the scenes of what it actually takes. In, mm-hmm. in baby steps yeah but eventually like when they see me do it they're like what does that do how does this work um and they wanted to do it but game maker was a little too, too like you know a little too advanced for them and that's where scratch came in and scratch was very visual i only had to explain a few things and then i i just watched uh, i just let them ask me questions uh, and by, by the way before this i had never even looked at a scratch before i didn't I, I, it was so intuitive it's such an easy software um, that I never learned it. I just, you know, you look at it. If you if you've worked in any game editor before, you kind of look at it. You're like, oh, okay, that's how it's done. It's it's very simple. Um, but then they went in and did things that were game alike, but that were not games, and that transitioned into them making game, things that are a little bit more games. Yeah. Well, that I I really like that story too because I'm reminded of how like, um, when me and my brother were younger, we were trying to learn how to make games. And I think what, what ended up happening this is a long time ago, I don't quite remember whether or not we approached our dad or our dad approached us about the interest of this. <laughs> but um, uh, I remember like my dad started us off learning how to use dark basic. So like we started learning how to do coding and stuff before we actually like started making a game. We didn't do any art things. Um, my brother, who was always much more driven about making games than I was, he just, <laughs> he re- he took it and ran with it. But I got frustrated with it, and I, I kind of mm-hmm. fell off of the, the programming in, in games for a while until later on I learned that there was more to games than just the programming and the art. Um, and so, like, I really like the, the way you approached it because, like, you kind of allowed them to discover aspects of game making that they would like, and then that, mm-hmm. um, that encouraged them to have questions about other ways they can influence the game and how there are other ways that can make games. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that I think makes sense for, for, for a child. Yeah. It's, it's, credit where credit is due. It came from my mother-in-law. I just have to remind everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's also great. Great instructional design is the incremental advancement of those skills yep. and, and also introducing them in a way that maximizes the meaning and the motivation behind the learner, your children's engagement. Um, yep. It's it totally makes sense that you have crafted this experience over many years yes. that has led to them, you know, wanting to engage with the art, you know, autonomously, independently. And um, so good job, success. Built a good <laughs> curriculum. Yeah. I'm super happy. Well, Stephen was talking about those those questions that they ask, like, how can I how can I make this and how can I how can I expand it or develop it? And I think the. I'm guessing, I'm supposing, uh, my supposition is that the reason that happens is because you developed a framework for them that was fairly constrained and gave them, you said, answer this question, operate on this dimension. And then they do that, they get satisfaction. They're like, what other dimensions are there? Right? Exactly. And one of the things you say, like, um, you know, they were designing game-like things, but not full games. One of the things that I remember when I was younger and, 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 and playing with HyperCard is that uh, and then later Flash is sometimes I would make game-like things and sometimes I would make games. And it, it, it it's whatever moved me at the moment. And um, for a long time, I, I, I thought 
that like some of those things were just like, oh, it's just animations or there's just it's not games. But I'm like, no, that that is still using those, those frameworks to build what you need to build. And and yeah. and when I when I was teaching Scratch um, to, to these uh, young teenagers, I would see a lot of them just try to make little movies with it. And and at first I was like, OK, they're not really getting this sort of like. But I'm like, no, that's fine, because mm-hmm. that because I think anything you need, anything that inspires you to create kind of puts you on that path. Um, and, and you've got plenty of time to make more stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Well, from my background, uh, I was a, a graphic web designer, a freelance graphic web designer is one of my jobs before coming into game dev. Mm-hmm. And I learned Flash, uh, Action Script 2.0, by the way. Like, oh, yeah. 2.0, but <laughs> it was easier to make yeah, buttons back then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I learned Flash with the intention to make websites. And only my interest in games made me say, like, make games. Like, there was was nothing about Flash back then, like, before the 3.0, that made making games easy intentionally. I don't believe it. I think it was really made for websites, but it allowed for some interactivity. And then people took it upon themselves to make Flash games. And then it became uh, bigger. And I feel like that's when uh, Flash leaned into, hey, let's make this easier to make games in. I could be completely wrong, but that's the impression I got because it felt like, why did they do it this way? Oh, this is to answer. Like this is to make it easier for for web developers, not for yeah. uh, game developers. Uh, but it doesn't like I was using that tool initially wrong because I was doing making the wrong kind of media. But is mm. it really wrong? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> the end results were <laughs> portfolio pieces that were pretty terrible. Like mind you, <laughs> that was the <laughs> my my first attempt at game dev, and it's okay to start off horrible. I had no instruction whatsoever. I was learning as I go. Uh, but yeah, someone else looking in would would be like, "Well, that's a horrible website." I'm like, "It's a, it, no, it's actually a horrible game." Thank you very much. <laughs> actually, <laughs> yeah, and you can take those early projects, and you could be like, "Yeah, you other person might look at that and have your judgments and your your expectations and your um your biases towards it." But I look at that as a, a stepping stone to the next thing, yeah. or that that's the dumb project where I learned X, you know, or I learned exactly. not to mm-hmm. do X. Or whatever, Thanks. or when I when <laughs> I exhausted <laughs> my uh, my complete insistence that X was what the way to go before I finally gave up on X, you know. Exactly. <laughs> um, have you have you ever gone back to any of your like older games that you made with your your children and like uh, improved them or remastered them, them at all? Yes, yeah. actually, uh, my son specifically picked up his one of the first board games we made, the one I mentioned, the firefighter game. Mm. And um, it was it was kind of sloppy. And he's like, you know what? I could do a better job with it. And on his own, he just like redrew the map, uh, made it make more sense. Because before he made the map, uh, not with game design in mind, he just put different locations based on where they made sense. Like yeah. the school was next to the park and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the, the buildings had different values, right? And the values to him, he chose them. Like that was the part that I let him have, but it made for an unbalanced game because sometimes some neighborhoods had a lot of houses that were worth more. So yeah. you let the houses in the other neighborhood burn down because they don't cost as much. And that was, <laughs> that was kind of like not intentional because like city There's hall some social was commentary there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, and he like, and from a design point of view, it was, it was, it was a failure, but even, even from uh, like, mm-hmm. yeah. The ethics point of view as well but that's a different story <laughs> well he was thinking of it not as a game designer but as a city planner right exactly yeah. that's exactly right so he's like i have to revisit this and I have to make it more balanced and uh, i could move things uh, this way make this street wider like there there were a lot of because we changed the rules he added action cards 
to make it a little bit more interesting so it's not just based on the die. Uh, and he did that mostly on his own. He would come to me and he'd be like, I'm stuck here. I don't know what to do. And I would offer a suggestion and only a suggestion. And the end result is honestly a game uh, that with a little bit more balancing, I believe you could publish it. Uh, like, I really think it's a, it's a solid uh, game that I've never, I haven't seen a firefighter game. I looked, I was, I Googled it just to be sure. Uh, I had never seen a, uh, a firefighter game that, that behaved just that, that way. Mm-hmm. And he, that was one of the first board games we ever made together, but it's mm-hmm. unrecognizable when you compare it to the version that he has right now in his room. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not the same game anymore. It's the same only, mostly by theme. Well, that's cool on two different levels because a feeds back into your curriculum really well. Like yeah. what a, what a more motivating exercise like can you imagine one no going back and revisiting a game that you've already made that's something that game designers do going back and shifting the rules around reconfiguring things that's part of the process but since it's already a game he knows and he was responsible and helped build you know it he's already meaningful and so that's such a cool exercise and then if you do want to teach him how to publish something it's already right there there (laughs) absolutely (laughs) i love it Y'all are very good influences, I just got to say. <laughs> More or less. I mean, I think this has been fantastic. I absolutely love these stories and just listening to your whole process. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been such a rich conversation. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe we can have you back on in the future. Absolutely. Whenever. Just say the word. That's our show. Check out our website, nicegames.club, for show notes and links to resources on today's topics, including a link to the podcast, The Habibis. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and on our programming in general. Go to nicegames.club feedback and tell us what you think. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at Nice Games Club, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and balloon arm tests. Or you can email us through contact at nicegames.club. Want to support the show? Great. There are so many ways. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Love reviews. Tell your friends about your favorite episodes. Join us on Discord by visiting nicegames.club Discord. And now we're on Patreon. As a patron of the show, you'll enjoy bonus content, extra jokes, and more. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. Great time. Y'all are great conversationalists. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I love it. That was great. We're gonna do the outro and then we can we can geek out some more. Okay. Yeah. Enjoy. We could do that one again if you want. Well, bye. That was good. Thought I made it weird. <clears throat> All the better. <laughs> <laughs>
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 